Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of Roll the Quadcast. My name, as always, is Riley Johnston, and we are joined this week with Robert Reinhardt, who we are both back and safe and sound from Boston. Um, Rob, how was the trip back yesterday? Well, trip back, pretty smooth, pretty smooth sailing. Was, you know, a little bit worried since I had to go through Atlanta, but uh, no complications, so glad to be home safely. Yeah, we, uh, I am currently in Charlotte waiting out the remnants of Hurricane Irma before we hopefully head back to Charleston tomorrow, but I know you got home safe and sound to Winston-Salem, but uh, got the storm rolling through here a little bit, so hopefully we will be good to go with uh no internet cutouts, but I believe we should be fine. Um, we want to go ahead and thank Not Your Boy Stan Cotton for hosting a, a fantastic tailgate this weekend in Boston. Um, I know we had several listeners swing by and also speak with either myself or Bart or Rob or Jake. So we really appreciate the support, and uh, but we can't thank enough for the experience up there because BC has a little bit of an awkward tailgating setup, so it was good to know that we had um, a car coming to set all that up. And we I had met – not your boy Stan Cotton yet on uh, Twitter. So uh, it was good to get to know him a little bit and talk to a few other guys. Uh, Rob, do you have any uh, experiences from the tailgate that you'd like to share? Uh, just an all-around unbelievable tailgate. Uh, started off with just sort of, uh, you know, our, our immediate friend group and a few others, but ended up probably being, I'm, I'm trying not to exaggerate, probably 50 or so, 50 to 60 Wake fans who, who stopped by and, um, you know, it was it was a great time. A lot of, a lot of good support for the Deeks up in Boston this weekend. Yeah, I definitely agree agree with that. And it was probably one of our best uh, road tailgate that we've ever had. I think uh, obviously we have pretty good home tailgates, but that's we're used to that. We're set up with all that good stuff. But um, hopefully we we have that same kind of uh, event in a couple weeks and. Uh, when we play at state and that game was announced at three thirty today. So um, that's, that's a perfect tailgating time. I know they like to get people up and down the mountain in a timely fashion um, in Boone, just given the uh, limitation people have in getting in and out. But once we get a tailgate plan set up there, we will um, disseminate that information on all the avenues that we have as well. So once again, we would invite everybody to join us. And I think we've got 15 people in the BSD uh, group that are coming up in that ticket block so that that game uh it may wind up being a little closer than the game this past weekend uh so which turned out into a fantastic 34 to 10 Wake Forest win so let's just go ahead and jump right in there Rob um the line I think wound up with Wake Forest as a one point favorite uh at kickoff but obviously it turned pretty quickly Wake Forest got up to a very very uh quick 14 nothing lead after uh some exchange jabs and uh 
some punch with the offense of Wake Forest and offense of uh, Boston College. But, Rob, what were your overall thoughts about the game in general, and what were your main takeaways um, from Wake Forest from this weekend? Sure, yeah, it was a, a, a great win overall. Our, you know, biggest ACC win since Maryland was still uh, in the conference, and we sent them out on, on a low note for them. And, um, you know, gr- great win by us and our, our biggest road win since a, a big drubbing down at, at Florida State. But, um, you know, overall I thought it was it was very tight um, from, a, from a Wake Forest perspective in terms of execution, um, no, really no penalties, um, you know, and, you know, no turnovers. So those were things you definitely look for. I, th- I think the score's a little bit misleading just based on we didn't outgain them by a, a whole heck of a lot of yards, uh, four. Um, so, again, that can be misleading as well based on some of where some of our um, turnovers happened. One, we, we scored on, so obviously you can't get any yards of offense. So that's just a lost possession. And then uh, another one uh, that Jesse Bates took down to the – to the two yard line, um, which yes, it couldn't get it. touchdown, um, but yeah, you know. But I will say, uh, just overall, a very good performance. And, and I guess another potentially question mark I have moving forward is there were a number of times where Boston College's quarterback play was was just terrible, and and there were a number of times where I felt a average quarterback probably could have burned us a little bit for some third down conversions or, or, you know, it depends on when the drive was. BC had some receivers open. Now I think part of that's, you know, our, our defensive philosophy and design is to get after the quarterback and to be a little bit more, uh, you know, take a few more chances. And, and so maybe part of that is just the, the pressure is creating those throws. But I think, um, you know, that's something to be concerned about moving forward when we do play more experienced quarterbacks. But overall, um, really, the game was never in doubt. You know, great performance by the Deeks. Yeah, and that that was my primary takeaway as well. I think you can't – the game ended and started and ended with the turnover margin. Wake Forest was plus four. Boston College was minus four, obviously. And, and aside from those four turnovers, like you said, two of one of them led to a direct touchdown. The other one led to a touchdown, I think, two plays later from two, three yards out. And the third one – wound up in a 26-yard uh, touchdown. So we uh, we had 21 points off of four touchdowns, and they only scored – off of four turnovers, and they only scored 10 points. So that, that's obviously your ball game right there. And coming into the, the league, Coach Clawson made it pretty clear that whoever won the turnover battle would likely win the game. Um, now, he probably didn't think it would have been that lopsided as far as uh, a 24-point win off those just four turnovers. But it's one of the more interesting box scores you'll ever see. Wake um, – only managed 309 yards on 71 plays for 4.3 yards per play. But Boston College only had 305 yards on 82 plays. So despite Wake outgaining a conference opponent by four yards, they managed to win by 24 points. That's not going to happen very much in not just ACC play, but really across the country. But it does go to show you how much turnovers matter. I believe that Bill Connolly values each one at around five points. So you look at five points 
two points, I believe. So you look at that, that's pretty much the difference of the game right there. It's over 20 points of discrepancy there. And while the expected turnover margin was only 1.39, I think a lot of that goes to um, a, a freshman quarterback on the other side of Anthony Brown, who he reminded me a lot of John Wolford three years ago where he didn't necessarily have the line protection. He knew he was going up against a very good front seven. And our secondary made – they pay for it over and over again. So, saying Bassey won the uh, ACC defensive back of the week, but you really could have looked at Cameron Glenn or J- uh, Jesse Bates to take that same honor. So, obviously, congratulations to uh, Bassey. But, you know, I thought the other guys also stepped up. And despite not having a lot of sacks or uh, quarterback rushes, I, I, it felt in the game like the quarterback was under a lot more duress than might have come out on the stat sheet. But obviously that paid off in, in interceptions and uh, hard hits throughout the game. But if you put, put um, maybe an average quarterback in there, or I guess I want to say average receivers too, because I think I know the Cameron Gwynn interception went right off a uh, BC receivers' hands, and it looked like the Bassey return for a touchdown was either a miscommunication on an out route, or but it did. I think that also deflected off the Boston College receivers' hands as well, um, and just was fortunate enough to go right to us for a touchdown. Um, so obviously the defense looked very good. It limited BC to 305 points, forced the four turnovers, um, and, and really just got them off schedule all day. Uh, the offense continues to be something that you know we've heard a lot of development about is this the year that's going to take a step forward we obviously have a long way to go but what, what were your initial thoughts about the, the offense and I guess through two games what you think the, the coaching staff is, is trying to establish as we move throughout the year uh, well on the I felt better about the offense after Saturday though I rewatched some of the first quarter uh, last night and, and didn't feel as good about it um, I guess some of the early drives, they were so fast going trading back and forth, um, but you didn't realize that, that we got off to really three straight uh, three and outs almost almost essentially. But, uh, you know, part of that may be by design, as, as you mentioned, with uh, such an emphasis on, on limiting turnovers um, and, and really just trying to establish a running game. Though we, you know, our, our backs um, didn't have the, be- the best um, – run game in, in the world. Wolford averaged 4.6 yards a carry, including that, that really nice 29-yard touchdown run. Um, and Cade had a had a good 17-yard run, but he only had three yards a carry. Colburn was just at, at two. So uh, that's going to be interesting moving forward. I, I would like to see us open it up a little bit more. I like I like those, you know, those RPOs that we ran, the run-pass run pass options. I think um, that could be exciting with guys like, you know, Greg Dortch who had that phenomenal catch. Uh, to have the first touchdown and Tabari Hines, I think we can do some do some more creative things there, and I think you know potentially we will um, based based on the opponent. But um, you know, I guess at the same time, it, it's we're going to credit the defense for putting us in the great field position of saying, well, you only have to go 25 yards. Well, I guess maybe they could have gone more than 25 yards um, right. theoretically, um, but I mean. Probably not, but I, I am more encouraged about the offense. I think if, you know, you hear a lot of hype about BC's defensive line, Landry in, in particular, and, and they only had two sacks. So I think that's encouraging. Now, Wolford only dropped back to pass 21 times, so it's, you know, still 10, 10% of the time. Uh, so that's slightly discouraging. But, I mean, 
I, I think we're to the point now where our offense can, can make some plays. I think you're starting to see some, some playmakers step up. I, you know, we had a number of, of passes down the field, particularly along the sideline. Um, I'd like to see us open it up a little bit more, to be honest with you. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think at this point it's somewhat hard to tell. So Presbyterian was a game where we were, regardless of what was going on, never going to open up the playbook. I'm not sure we ran any plays off tackle, and everything was kind of between the tackles or your basic run, basic pass play. Um, This week the the game plan, in my opinion, was clearly to just let BC show that they can beat us uh, with their offense, which – they they could not do, um, and, and when they pressed, it turned into turnovers for touchdowns for us. So um, it, I don't know at this point whether or not if it's just the conservative coaching mentality of our staff right now, where they're just they want to kind of let the defense win games like we have in years past, or if they're still somewhat scared to take the reins off of uh, of the offense as a whole. But I think John Wolford has uh, managed the offense very very well throughout the first two games, and. Uh, quarterback rating isn't always the best, I don't think, uh, statistic to say how good a quarterback is, but currently John Wolford is uh, leading the the ACC in that by a pretty wide majority um, over Malik Roser and uh, Surratt and Jackson. So that's a good good thing too. Um, And you see see Wolford drop back and make a throw like that to Greg Dortch in the corner of the end zone, and you know he's got a lot of – I mean, that was a fantastic throw. And um, he, he can do that when he is given the time to throw. And now that he's got the weapon in Dorch, I think we can open it up a little bit, run those run pass options and, and try to get into space where um, we can try to put up some points and not rely so heavily on just the defense turning it over or special team setting us up. Um, it'll be interesting to see this week against Utah State what our what our mentality is from an offensive standpoint coming in. Well, Wake Open is a, I believe, 13, 14, 15-point favorite, depending on where you look. Um, so obviously Wake is expected to win that game, but if say Wake does get up by a couple of touchdowns early on, are we going to kind of pull it back? Are we going to keep pushing? Are we going to put Hinton in so we can try to get to Newman? Um, I don't know what the coaching staff wants to do at this point. Um, do, do you think overall at this point it's, it's that the staff doesn't necessarily trust the offense yet or that they're trying to, I mean, hold a few things back or maybe a combination of it? Your point about trusting the offense is, is definitely interesting. And, and one thing as you were talking sort of came into my mind, like I guess I keep thinking back to Clawson talking about the importance of, of not turning the ball over against BC. And I think maybe he's thinking back to that army game last year where uh, I thought we went way too far the other way. I thought we got incredibly too pass happy and, and got outside of our comfort zone, what, what we're capable of doing. And I think it comes back to, the opponent and I clearly we did not respect the BC offense um, as as made evident by declining the hold or illegal man down whatever that play was when we declined it to allow them to have a third and five instead of a second and a 15 I I mean (laughs) yeah that's a a pretty rare worked out but yeah I don't know if that's team process or team results (laughs) at that point yeah and and Sure enough, they threw it into the ground the very next play. But, I, I mean, I, I think that, that told me a lot about what Clawson thinks of the, of the, of the yeah. BC offense. So, uh, I, you know, I would, I would like to see us open it up more. And um, I do – because we have a senior quarterback, uh, yeah. they should trust him. He does throw it downfield 
a number of it seems to be working pretty well, honestly, when when we do try and go downfield. I'd like to see Serenay maybe get a little bit more involved. Um we we had that one pass to him that got well, he was he was interfered with, but I, yeah. I would like to see us open it up more because honestly I think I think they're just crowding the box and that's why we're getting some of the low numbers that we can. I we we don't have to go with, you know, vertical routes all over the place and, and enough time for the uh, offensive line to protect, but uh, honestly some simple throws eight to ten yards down the field I think would do um, wonders um, for the running game as well. Yeah, the, the number of formations that we came out in was uh, pretty amazing to me too, kind of seeing it live. I wasn't at the Presbyterian game, but we had a ton of uh, three wide, two wide, where they have those like kind of twin sets where they're not spread out at all. So, I mean, those kind of screen run pass options to me because you have the simple screen. Uh, I mean, they have to, you have to, as a defense, either line up three guys up or two. Um, but it was pretty clear that Boston College was content to sit in the cover one with just the one. I, I say deep in quotation marks because he wasn't even that deep. A lot of times they had eight guys in the box with just one safety, and he wasn't even that far back. So um, I think it may actually be more the coaching staff holding the reins on the offense than anything. And I'm not saying that to defend the offense at all. I just mean that I, I think maybe they are, they don't want to make the mistakes and they don't necessarily have full trust yet. Um, hopefully we'll see a little bit more against Utah State this weekend as we head into the App State game because after this week, um, and no disrespect to Utah State, but uh, if you're a 14-point favorite, you win 84% of the time in college football uh, historically. So we have a pretty good shot of getting to 3-0 and for the first time since 1946-47, which uh, the Truman administration good year. would appreciate. Yeah, great year, I've heard. Um, <laughs> But we, we will welcome Utah State in this weekend for a, um, I believe it's a 3 p.m. kickoff. It's homecoming weekend, which we could probably do a 20-minute podcast on uh, why Wake Forest continues to have their homecoming two to three weekends into the year. And I know that they, they obviously place emphasis on getting teams that they can win against. But at, at the same time, I the year just started essentially. So, um, but that's another conversation for another day. We do play Utah state uh, for homecoming this weekend and we hope to see a lot of people there. We will have our normal tailgate set up by the annex. So anybody wants to come out, we should be there around nine to 10, assuming the weather is not awful, in which case we will probably be there anyway. So come see us. Um, but Utah State is one and one on the season. They took a 59 to 10 loss to Wisconsin in the first week of the year, but they were up 10 to nothing before Wisconsin managed to reel off uh, an unheralded 59 straight points to win that game. Um, but they bounced back against the Idaho State Bengals, an FCS opponent this week, with a 51 to 13 win there. And uh, it looks like they slightly underperformed against Wisconsin. I believe that line was 25 points or so, and they wound up losing by 49. Um, I don't know how much weight that carries once you get down by that much. It, I don't know if it really matters. Um, but, but they did about what was expected against uh, Idaho State. So, Rob, what, uh, what's your overview of this Utah State team? I don't, I don't know if you have gotten a chance to look, you know, in depth. I know we've both kind of been a little displaced from the weather and getting back. But uh, what's your overall thought about Utah State and how, how Wake Forest stacks up against them? Sure. Well, I, you know, I, I feel – uh, a lot better now than I did when you and I were in Charleston and, and looking up at the bar and seeing Utah State beating Wisconsin out of Wisconsin 10-0. Um, uh, I, yeah. I, will, I, will say that, I will say that much. So, uh, they're, I, I'm looking at it. Their lone touchdown did come uh, somewhat similar to how we scored, you know, 
a few of our touchdowns. They only had to go 16 yards uh, on the drive, but they they were tied at halftime. So, you know, honestly, I think there are a few ways that, that can help us this week where we're cautioning the staff, um, you know, where, where, you know, they can point to, hey, these guys sound really tough with a, with a top 10 opponent on the road. Uh, so hopefully that, you know, forces us to, to take film preparation and take practice seriously this week. Um, but, but just looking at, at the team in, in general, I think one thing that could be definitely advantageous for us is that they're replacing pretty much three-and-a-half starters on the offensive line, uh, which, you know, given the strengths of, of our defensive line and, you know, sort of the emergence of, of Zeke Rodney uh, that we've seen, who, who causes a lot of chaos, as you mentioned, without necessarily showing up on the stat sheet, uh, I, th- I think that could be great in terms of, of throwing them off schedule, forcing some, um, you know, uncertainty. Their quarterback threw three interceptions against, against Wisconsin. So if we can create that pressure, uh, our secondary seems to have a number of ball hawks in there. So hopefully, um, you know, continue to force those turnovers, get them off schedule, force them into difficult passing situations um, where, where we can really generate that pass rush. And so, I, you know, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about it, especially – it's always encouraging to see point spreads um, like the one Vegas Vegas brought out. What, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think uh, this is a game that, that we we need to take care of business and try to continue to just play our best game of football possible. Um, and if we do that, I think we will come out with a victory. I mean, mo- if you were a senior on this team, we played Utah State three years ago, and they, they beat us by two, a couple of touchdowns out in uh, Utah. So I think there's motivation in itself there for Clawson uh, to point and say, hey, this is uh, we lost to this team since I've been here, since the seniors have been here. Um, let's go ahead and show that we're on the right track here. Uh, and I, this team strikes me, seeing them live, strikes me as a team that's pretty focused and they, they don't take things lightly. They want to go out and take care of business and uh, just get the job done. And we're, we finally got the talent to kind of match that mentality and uh, get, get rolling and going here. Um, the big thing I want to see, like we talked about, is just the offense establish some rhythm, uh, get get in a groove, maybe figure out who who continue to figure out who the big play guys are. Um, hopefully, get up to a comfortable lead at the half. Um, maybe play a couple more possessions and then get some guys in for reps. Uh, I, I'm not trying to discredit the Aggies at all. I think they, uh, Bill Connolly projects them to win. I think six and a half or seven games this year, and that's likely good enough for a bowl. But they play in the Mountain West, and a lot of their opponents after. Uh, after September, not not over overly good. Just taking a look at their schedule, so I think the the notion is that Wake Forest should win this game, and uh, hopefully it'll be fairly comfortably. They we've shown certainly so far to be a team that is capable of beating teams that are at least um, somewhat equivalent to us or slightly inferior. And uh, if Boston College played Utah State, um, I believe Boston College would probably be a seven to ten point favorite. So considering that we're at home, it's homecoming weekend, and uh, the guys will be happy to get back out there. I think we'll go ahead and take care of business here. So um, I guess we'll, we'll see, but uh, it, it's always – being optimistic as a Wake fan is never uh, never an easy thing because you, you have good things happen, and then it seems like something bad just kind of comes up and bites you. Like last year, we had the Army loss and then the BC loss, um, but we had the Virginia win kind of wedged in there. So that's uh, – you can't really get too comfortable one way or the other as a Wake fan, but uh, I, I like our odds this weekend. So, um, you have anything else to add about Utah State? Uh, you know, not necessarily them in particular, but it, you're absolutely right. We can't get too comfortable. Had a, had a very nice win against against BC, which was essentially a, a, at least a toss-up game going in. 
we looked at these first four games um, of the season. We said we really have to go three and one. Might need to go four and zero to make a bowl. Now, who knows? Maybe you adjust that a little bit now. But um, all, all the work you did to get that that nice extra half win, let's call it, last week, uh, that goes right down. You know, the drains puts a lot more pressure on uh, the app game. Um, if, if we go into the app game 2-1 and one by, by not being focused at home against Utah State, honestly, it puts a lot more focus to pull off an upset against a Georgia Tech, against a Louisville, um, you know, beat a, beat a tough or interesting NC State team at home. Duke's looking a lot better. So uh, all the more reason to, to be focused this week. Yeah, and that's uh, we were talking a little bit about that, I think, Sunday and actually Saturday before the game. But uh, going into the BC game, I would have put our odds to make a bowl at probably 40 to 45 percent based on what we knew about the schedule and uh, not having that win under our belt from uh, from Saturday against Boston College. But afterwards, I think we that put us well over the 50 percent mark, maybe up around 55 to 60 percent. Um, I don't know exactly how those numbers work out, uh, but I think it had a 15 to 20 percent increase on our odds but that that means we have to continue on beat Utah State and get that third win so we're not slipping up and looking at worst case two and two because if we now we go and take care of business we're sitting I don't want to say pretty given the fact that we have a a brutal schedule throughout the remainder of September and October but we're sitting in a place where we could uh, make some noise and just one upset could turn this into a pretty decent season so um, kind of coming into the year, we knew this team was, was going to be better than last year's team, but we didn't know how the schedule was going to work out. We, we've done what we need to throughout the first two games, and we can't let this third one trip us up. So um, depending on where you look, we're a 15 to 20-point favorite. Um, the advanced models actually like us a little more than the, um, than Vegas does. But um, I'm not telling you to go about weight 15, but I'm just trying to say that we are reasonable uh, – reasonable favorites in this one. So hopefully we take care of business and uh, move on. And one final stat on that, since I believe 1997, uh, over the last 25 years, Wake Forest is 23 um, and two as 10 plus point favorites. So Wake Forest usually take care of the business as a double digit underdog. So that's a good stat to to kind of have it tucked in uh, as well. But Let's go ahead and wrap that up and uh, let's move on to a little bit of basketball talk because there is uh, there's a pretty important weekend coming up for uh, Danny Manning, especially with regard to the 2018 uh, recruiting class. Rob, do you want to take a, an overview of that for us? Sure. Well, uh, you know, we had um, Jalen Horde commit, commit several weeks ago, obviously a, a massive uh, momentum booster for the program, getting the five-star originally from France and now in uh, Western Christian Academy in High Point, North Carolina. But uh, a, a big set of official visits coming up um, on the 15th and then an, another set coming up on, on the 29th. But uh, headlined by Isaiah Musis, uh sort of a stretch 3-4 top 60-70 player in the country, going to be down to us and, and Xavier. Took an official visit to Xavier this past weekend, has not committed, and had some somewhat canned responses uh, in, in an interview. So, uh, hope, hopefully optimistic there. Wake has the crystal ball sort of going in their favor. Uh, Chills sort of leading that recruitment, which is always good. Uh, Nate Lazuski, uh, stretch four out of uh, out of the New England area, has really seen his recruitment blow up. He had an official visit to Notre Dame this past weekend, um, where they lost, fortunately. And um, yeah, you know he's he, 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 he <laughs> scheduled to come. Scheduled to come to, to Wake this weekend has, has not committed, so hopefully he you know 
uh, stays uncommitted, makes that visit, also um, has an OV schedule with, with UNC later. Danny Main is actually going to swing by uh, his high school today, as I believe is Roy Williams and Mike Bray, uh, head coach of Notre Dame, is supposed to stop by tomorrow. And then um, Mike DeVoe, uh, point guard out of, out of Florida, um, scheduled to come up this, this weekend for an official visit as well. He was going to go to uh, University of Florida this past weekend, I believe, but that got moved, obviously, due to the um, you know terrible hurricane situation with, with with Irma down there. So that's that's really what's on tap for um, you know for this upcoming weekend would be would be absolutely huge to get to get any of those guys. Uh, I'd say you know Musis is is the most likely, but but what what are your thoughts on um, just the weekend and Wake Forest basketball recruiting in general? Yeah, I think uh, I think. It, Everything that I've seen coming out of this past weekend where uh, Lazuski did not commit to Notre Dame and Isaiah Mushis did not commit to Xavier has to be good news for Wake Forest and Danny Manning. And I know he got that uh, interview or uh, in-home today. or Well, he went to see Nate today, and uh, he got another in-home with uh, AO tomorrow. So we will see um, what he can make of that. But the, the coaching staff just continues to be um, – on the road all the time. And I, I know I mentioned this before the, uh, the podcast while we were prepping a little bit, but he, Danny Manning and his coaching staff seems to be at the right place at the right time. Every single time that you look on Twitter, somebody's saying, well, there's Danny Manning, there's Randolph Childress. There's some, another member of the wake staff. Uh, and not only that, we seem to be phenomenal at identifying talent early, getting on there and being the team in the lead before the blue bloods come in and these guys blow up to five stars, which tells you that our staff can evaluate talent and it's starting to pay off. We got the Jalen Hoard commitment a couple weeks ago, and now we're trying to follow that up with possibly a, a four star and a, in a couple of different guys. So I, I think Isaiah Mucius is going to be the next commit for Wake Forest. And I feel very confident that um, in a couple of weeks or maybe after he makes a decision that, that he will wind up in old gold and black. And uh, that, that's what you want to see. So it, I think if Mucius had, was going to commit to Xavier, he would have done that after this weekend. And uh, I don't have any knowledge or uh, sources telling me that. I just, that's just kind of my gut feeling that he, uh, that Manning sold him on what we've got going on here. And uh, he made him realize that he can play with uh, Sean D and uh, Jalen at the three and the four, and we'll figure it out once they get there. Um, and so from there, we, we need to land a point guard. And I know there was a little bit of a discussion. Jamie Lewis was a North Carolina state um, commit, but he, opened up his recruitment. I don't know if that had anything to do with Keats. Um, I don't know if he would pull the uh, scholarship or anything, but it made it become a less committable offer if they found other guys that they wanted to go after. But we did reach out and uh, contact him today, so that's kind of interesting. Um, I don't know how much that means with regards to DeVoe or where we stand there. Do, do, you, do you think that means anything as far as uh, we don't feel good about it or we're just kind of lining up some guys just in case? I, I think, um, you know, it, it sounds potentially slightly discouraging, but at the same time, uh, I, I don't think it, it ever hurts to, to reach out uh, to reach out to him. And, you know, if, if we were to get a commitment from, from DeVoe or, or Ayo DeSirmu, um prior, you know, prior to Lewis making a decision, I think uh, we, would, we would stop recruiting Lewis at, at, the, at that point. And I think we still feel um, – you know, from from things I'm I'm reading, it sounds like we're in um, you know reasonable shape with with those guys. Though in recruiting, uh, being in re- reasonable shape only, only means but so much. Uh, you know, 
being second sucks. Being second gets you yeah. gets you gets you really nothing. Um, so always good to have backup plans. So I think honestly, I you know I would be disappointed if we weren't reaching out to him. I don't care if I was if everything we were hearing was you know a hundred percent with with any of our you know more top candidates. Uh, I th- I think we need to be reaching out. So I think. I think that's that's encouraging. It wouldn't be a bad backup plan, though. He'll have other suitors, other suitors as well. But I think you know, in terms of you know expected value and, and outcomes of this class, I think it could be, um, you know, very exciting. Um, and you look at potential teams we could have moving forward. I mean, we're we're really talking about a, a, a versatile basketball team um, that can play with with great energy, um, play play really good defense, play a really exciting brand of basketball. So. Um, a, a lot of positive momentum for this basketball program right now. Yeah, and I definitely agree with all of that. And I just I think the staff might have learned their lesson after the Harry Giles fiasco, where they thought they had them locked down, and then they got kind of got caught with no backup plans, where they allocated all their resources into one guy. So it's not that you know you have to commit or have to recruit a guy like. Um, Mucius any less or DeVoe any less in the, to reach out to other guys, you're still giving your 100% to them, but you're also spending just the extra time it takes to kind of reach out and make sure the other options out there should um, the guys not come through that you're going to have guys to fill out the roster because we've been sitting under our scholarship mi- uh, limit for the last five years, it feels like, with transfers and uh, I guess spots we left open and guys going pro. So obviously the third of those is a fantastic problem to have, but uh, it doesn't help the team this year. So um, I think the coaching staff learned a lot, and I think they're uh, they're they're getting into a point where they're starting to land the big names. They're starting to figure out what it takes to recruit um, and how to recruit at an elite ACC level. Um, and, and you kind of have to do that. Danny Manning was thrown into the fire as an ACC head coach. He went from Tulsa, where he's recruiting against you know maybe UConn, maybe a team like that, um, SMU, every one or two other teams to every coach in the ACC knows what they're doing for the most part. I mean, from Roy to Coach K to Leonard Hamilton to Larinaga, I mean, there have been four or five guys who've made Final Fours with ACC teams. So that's a, that's, that's a tough task to ask, and I think he's, uh, he's stepped up to the plate here and he's finally figured out what it takes. And I'm proud, of, uh, I'm proud of what the staff's done, and it's time to lock up a couple more of these guys and get a top 10, top 15 class heading into, into 2018. So, um do you have any final thoughts on, uh, the, I guess, the recruiting and just this weekend or what goes into official visits or anything like that? Uh, I guess just the, you know, the the only other final thought, and you know, um, as as you sort of mentioned with how we're sort of shifting post Giles, and uh, you know, I was a little bit nervous about the Giles commitment just because you are going so hard after Giles and had we gotten him, then maybe some more dominoes could have fallen that wouldn't have gone otherwise. But I, I'm much more of a proponent of the, at least for, for Wake Forest of the strategy of uh, go after the guys, you know, go after a few around, you know, 25, 30. That's where, that's where you're talking about your horde, your Shondi Brown. But I think our bread and butter is really going to be the guys, you know, from like 50 to 100 or 125. And I think our, our goal just needs to be hit a few doubles every year. Uh, and you can make a, a really good basketball team if, when you hit doubles. And I don't mean a double as an insult. I mean a double as a guy who's a four-star 70th best player in the country. You can get those guys to come in. You can groom them. They only have to play but so many minutes year one. And you're just constantly going to have 
um, you know, good, experienced, well-rounded team. So it seems like that might be our strategy moving forward. Obviously, it's a lot easier for me to just sit here and describe that strategy um, than, than it is to, to actually go out and execute. But it sounds like we're, um, you know, on the verge of executing that. And, I, and you know, A.O. DeSumo's ranked up there more with, with Horde. He's a, he's a fringe five-star based on the publication. But uh, I think that's going to be our sweet spot. And if you can establish this class um, on top of getting Brown last year and having some experienced players, then that's how you really get some momentum. And, and, you know, we got some momentum with some 2019 guys as well. So I think that's where you're really going to start to see program could really take off. Yeah, and I'm not trying to completely skip over the 2018 season, but, um, you know, if you look forward to – or 2017, 2018 season, if you look – towards the 2018 class that we're bringing in and then the guys that we already have in place. If we keep Sean D. Brown and we keep Brian Crawford for uh, the 2018 season, that, that has a chance to be a top 10, top 15 team um, if we can continue to put the pieces together there. Uh, and you have to assume, given the um, what we've done in the past, that we will be able to develop a, the four and the five positions, the big men. So somebody will step up and we will have somebody in there as well. Um, I think the future is very bright. And I think Danny Manning, um, as long as he continues to improve with in-game coaching and uh, management, we have a chance to be a very, very good team. And uh, he, he could prove to be a very, very good hire as well. So I I know I'm looking forward to it. And uh, it's it's been a while since we've uh, been a contender past a you know, maybe a fringe bubble team, but it's fun to be competitive again. And uh, after the the Jeff Pizdelic era, any competitiveness is pretty cool. So um, he didn't completely drain the desire of all Wake fans from watching Wake Forest basketball. So that that's nice, I guess. Um, but other than that, uh, we've got a little bit of soccer news. Uh, the the Deeks, who I believe are number two overall in the country, suffered a bit of a setback midweek when they fell to the Georgia State Panthers, I think. I know it was Georgia State. I think the Panthers are their nickname in overtime, which was completely uh, out of the blue, I would say. <laughs> but uh, I think we outshot them and outplayed them most of the game, as tends to happen when Wake loses in soccer. We just kind of either didn't get didn't, didn't get the goals we needed or they made a lot of good saves. So that was a bad loss, but we bounced back with a big victory over Louisville um, on Saturday. And Rob, I don't know if you were able to watch either one of those games, but uh, obviously the Utah or the uh, Georgia state game was bad, but the Louisville game was good. So what are your, uh, what are your overall thoughts on uh, the soccer program and what, what they've got going on this year? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm thrilled with the soccer program. Uh, Georgia state loss, obviously, Obviously difficult. I, I will add, not to make, you know, excuses, but it it was raining a pretty considerable amount. The game was actually delayed by, I believe, an hour or so due to lightning delay, rain, and, and things of that nature. So um, with, with sort of the style you, you see us play um, with, with the ball movement and having some smaller, quicker players, uh, you know, Bad conditions aren't necessarily our friend. I think you saw some of that in the College Cup last year with just the quality of the field. Um, and the ball wasn't necessarily moving as crisp. But uh, great bounce back to beat Louisville. Honestly, honestly that's more important. Um, get, an, get an ACC win against a, a top-10 team in Louisville on the road. Fell down one nothing um, on, a, on a PK, I think. But um, ended up winning 3-1. to one. Louisville, I believe, went down to 10 men. So, uh, potentially yeah, they up there a little bit. Yeah, the 30th minute but, or so, but that led to our first goal. So they played with 
final 60, 55 minutes with 10 men. So that always helps too. Oh yeah. That, that's always nice, but Hey, credit to us for, for being disciplined, not getting the cards, um, not, not getting the penalties and, um, you know, taking care of business in, in, a, in a big way. So they, they take on app state tomorrow, uh, weather permitting, I hope to go to the game, but, uh, we, we'll never know, but, um, you know, definitely very excited about the soccer program. Yeah, and uh, as with most of the programs for Wake, I think soccer obviously is not just on the rise, but they are one of the premier programs in uh, the, in the country. Obviously, we are looking to get that second national championship um, to follow up the one from about 10 years ago. And we came as close as we possibly could last year without winning, tying Stanford and then losing on the fifth penalty kick. Um, so hopefully we bounce back and we get another chance at them in the NCAA tournament because I think what we, we can beat them if we get them again on a neutral field. So. I feel good about that, but obviously what Coach Muse has done for this program is unbelievable. And uh, Coach Deleuze has bounced back with the, the women's team, too. They've gotten off to a nice start. So everything uh, so far this year is going pretty well for Wake Forest Athletics. So um, I'll give Ron Wallman a shout-out for that, and he kind of turned everything around. And it, it, I don't think it's any big surprise that a lot of the success is coming on the heels of a lot of big donations and money getting put into the athletic department. Um, you know, it's, uh, we're not going to go into the student athlete discussion today because we don't have time on that, but, um, this is essentially a for-profit, um, thing that we're doing here as college athletes. And, uh, you know, when you put money into it, it pays off and it seems like everybody's getting a chunk of that except for the athletes themselves, but, um, money helps and money, money works. And that's, that's what it takes. So I understand that's how the world works. That's how college sports work now. Um, but, you know, I think everything looks really, really good for, um, the future moving forward, and I'm excited to get back to Winston this weekend, assuming uh, I can make it back to, from Charleston to uh, to there on Friday, but I hope to see a lot of people out there. I know you'll be there, Rob, and uh, you have any final thoughts before we uh, wrap it up? Uh, no no final thoughts, just, um, you know, look, looking forward to um, seeing us come out again again on Saturday, looking forward to, to watching, watching the offense again, and, you know, hope hoping that we can, you know, we can build up on, on those performances that we've had so far been, um, you know, a perfect season so far, not, not just in terms of the two and O record, obviously, but I don't think we really could have asked for um, two better games in terms of uh, overall performance. And then obviously going to be uh, hoping and, and looking out for uh, positive basketball recruiting news uh, for the Deeks. Yeah, I think uh, so. The next few events coming up that are big, obviously the Utah State game, um, the official visits this week, and I expect we'll hear some news on Mucius and or Nate Lazuski at some point. Um, and then we got two more visits for uh, Ao and I believe who is it? Nate Roberts is the other guy coming in at the yeah, end. Nate Roberts. Yep, for the Florida State yeah, game. So Florida State game. Yep. Yeah, so we've got three big weeks of football: Utah State app, and then Florida State, um, which could make or break our season, quite frankly. Uh, and then we've got some big basketball stuff coming up. And before you know it, it'll be basketball season too. So we are fully in swing here, and I believe our site reflects that. We got a lot of articles up today um, to finish up the Boston College stuff and look forward to Utah State. And we will have a lot more coming up this week, including a Q and A with Mountain West Connection. 
um, to discuss what uh, Utah State does, what they do well, what they don't do well. Um, got an offensive preview up today from uh, Ed Foster. It looks fantastic. And uh, we'll have defense and all our normal prediction and previews coming up. So, as always, Wake uh, continues to have good coverage from Blogger So Dear and uh, also our friend Les uh, Johns, who continues to do a great job as well. But um, I think that's about all we've got. So, if uh, always as always, leave a comment if you want to um, – if you want to ask us something or be sure to click that subscribe button on iTunes, if you haven't already, and this will come straight to your inbox as soon as it is processed by blog talk radio and sent over to iTunes. So um, we appreciate the listens. We definitely see the views on the back end and it continues to go up as we continue to do these weekly and get into the flow of the actual sports season. So it's not just Rob and I talking about stuff that nobody cares about. So that those help numbers too. Uh, um, but yeah, previews uh, of games that happen six weeks from now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Those, uh, those don't necessarily appeal to the masses, nor should they. Um, of course, but, I brought up 2019 recruiting, so I guess that's kind of the same thing, but who knows? Hey, people people love recruiting, so the, the future is, uh, no matter how good you're doing, the future is always uh, positive because it's uh, obviously hasn't happened yet, and you uh, never know what's in store. But uh, as that's always, true. we appreciate Yeah, exactly. We appreciate you listening, and uh, as always, go Deeks. Go Deeks. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.